Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. My name is Dan Cottrell, head coach at Rugby Coach Weekly, and I'm delighted to have with us James Stevens. James is an under-13s coach with West's Rugby, Canberra in Australia, and he's here with us to talk about some exciting developments in Australian youth rugby. Hi, James. Great to have you with us. G'day, Dan. It's great to be here. Uh, so the topic up for discussion is the weight limit initiative for every 8- to 15-year-old player in Australia. And James is going to tell us a little bit about that in a moment. James has been part of the research so I'm keen to delve into the reasons behind the initiative, how they worked it out, and what we need to learn for all rugby unions, really. And before we start, I think uh, it'd be great just for James just to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, happy to, Dan. Um, and uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been involved uh, in junior rugby uh, as both a player and a coach for oh, about the last 20 years. Um, I've played uh, as, as a junior for my local club, West, as you mentioned, which is here in Canberra uh, in, in Australia. Um, so I played from a young age uh, and then when I went into my teenage years, had to give the game away um, after it was discovered that I had a, a bit of an eyesight uh, issue. And um, Oh, look, I'm not going to pretend that it was a great loss to Australian rugby that I had to, to give the game away. Um, but, uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I love the sport and um, I wanted to stay involved. So I quickly transitioned into coaching. Um, so my younger brother was starting to play junior rugby and so I started helping out with his team and um, went through there from he was started about under-12s and I went through up to under-18s with him and then... Um, he moved into seniors rugby and I decided to stay in, in juniors and um, went down and started with an under-10s team, which I followed through uh, and continue to coach to today. Uh, so I've been coaching there for about the last four years. Um, and, yeah, so that's how it came about that the Australian rugby decided last year to run a trial um, around uh, weight for age, as it's been called, and looking at... Uh, players' size uh, and skill and development to see if the age brackets that we put on uh, the rugby um, competition is still appropriate for today. And, and they decided to trial uh, here in Canberra, firstly just gathering data on children uh, playing rugby in the under-13s comp here in Canberra um, and then putting them through some, some testing and then assessing them for uh, as they're playing through the competition to see if uh, they might benefit from playing up a year, down a year, depending on uh, their, their development and so forth. And, um, yeah, so it came about uh, being involved in a project like that. So, I, yeah, I guess that's, that's a bit about me, yeah. All right, so it sounds very exciting to be part of the project. And um, in in the sense of the testing, I mean, there's there's lots of questions fall out that straight away. In sense, in sense of the testing, how do, how do you test? I mean, obviously you can uh, measure some how tall someone is and uh, their weight. How do you test their 
their rugby ability or the the reasons why they should play up a year or play down a year? Sure, yeah. Look, I mean, so from the outset, um, I was asked by the um, those running the trial to identify some players who I thought might be on the, I guess, on the outlier range, maybe uh, too small, too big, um, just a subjective test for at that stage, in, in my opinion, um, and, and just put their names forward for the uh, those running the trial, which was run by one of the local universities here uh, in Canberra. Um, so once those players were put forward, uh, those players were then put through a range of tests. Um, I mean, the basics being first to measure their height and weight to get a sense of that data, but then also put through some tests around speed, fitness, strength, um, and, and get a bit of a more full picture of the, the different players' athletic ability. Um, we then continued on yeah, in the, the the regular rugby season with these players uh, being monitored as they played in their in their regular year. So we, they were all playing in the under thirteens year, and there were games which were uh, recorded by the university to watch the players who had been identified to be assessed. Um, they would be able to then watch the the games back and see how they were going. Um, they also had the players wear uh, GPS trackers to get that data uh, as well. Um, and they also had uh, a, a, an individual from the Australian rugby watching the game live to, to get a sense of how the players were, um, yeah, I guess, coping and managing in, in the year that they were playing. Um, and then about halfway through the season, um, an assessment was made based on the data that had been collected from the, the physical uh, standpoint, but also the data that had been collected watching them play uh, games, both from the recordings and also the uh, watching them live uh, as, a, as an independent assessor. And then halfway through the season, a recommendation was made uh, to for, for these players, whether they thought they were in the correct year, whether they should go up a year or whether they should go down a year. Um, so that's how they assessed the players for skill and also physical development. Um, yeah. So they assessed them for skill by just watching them or did they have a sort of a criteria sheet? And, and this is three questions. Mm. Um, and were you involved in that testing process or were you just an observer? So for me, I was just an observer by this point. Um, I, I had put the players forward uh, as people who potentially should be identified. Um, as far as their um, what criteria and so forth that they were using, um, I, I'm not privy to the exact criteria that we used at, at that stage, the testing and, and the, the new policy, which we can perhaps talk about later. Um, the, the, the nuts and bolts of that policy haven't been uh, unveiled uh, completely yet, so I, I'm interested to see. It's a good point as to what criteria will be used, um, but I know from both the recording and also the individual assessor, it was um, somewhat of a subjective test for them uh, watching them play, uh, because rugby is a, a difficult sport to, um, you know, get particular statistics on, or, or you know match up nicely to a criteria because of uh, just the, the fluid nature of the game. But, um, yeah, so that's how they came to uh, identify the, the skill uh, that they were uh, assessing, yeah. 
So, um, it, from your understanding, then uh, I know because the policy is not out. Uh, obviously, um, people are going to worry about the test, uh, yes. and kids always worry about tests. And will they make it or will they? I'm, you know, I'm desperate to play down a year, or my mm. parents are desperate, for me, and I go through the test, and mm. um, I I fail the test. In other words, I keep playing in that year group. I mean, that's a sense which could happen. I know that's not really what's meant to happen. Yep. Um, how long was the test? And um, have you have you seen this? Have you seen players sort of come out of the test saying, oh, that was great, or I'm not sure about that, or I was worried about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean look, in my opinion, the, the testing that was done, at least initially, of the players who were involved was done well. I mean, it was uh, not a very long test in terms of just seeing their physical traits and, um, you know, as I've mentioned, speed, strength, fitness, those sorts of things. Um, those w- was done very quickly. Um, and I think the those who were involved uh, with the study were, were very sensitive to the um, uh, the needs of, of, of children. And, and you know, the, there, there is some anxiety that goes with these things, as you correctly identified. Um, but I, I think it was done in a way that um, tried to, minimize that as much as possible but I, I get the impression and as I said not knowing the, the, the particulars uh, yet um, I get the impression that there won't be a single test per se done I, I think it'll be a bit more natural than that that there will be uh, players will be identified at the start of the season uh, whether they fall outside of some band that is determined by height and weight. Um, mm. So once they once they fall outside of that uh, height and weight band for a particular age group, all that's going to do is then basically put a, a flag in the system, basically to say this this child should be assessed um, if, to determine if they're in the correct uh, age group. Um, and then if it's done like it was last year, they'll just watch them play a game. Um, so I think in that sense, uh, I think I think that the child won't be under too much pressure, they're just playing rugby. Um, and and um, then they can go from there as to whether they go up or down. Now, is that a choice for them? Because let's say a boy or a girl gets flagged and mm. uh, someone comes and assesses them, and at the end of the assessment, the person who was doing the assessment says, right, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Child A is now um, to go down a year group. And the child mm. says, well, just a moment, I, I want to play with my mates. Mm. Mm. Look, it's the, the, the policy, and this was one that I do know, uh, the policy is that it will be a final decision. So if the child is recommended to go, is assessed as having to go down or up a year, um, that will be final for the, the child to, to change age group. Um there is the ability for the child or when the parents um, to appeal a decision if they feel that it's been done wrongly. Um, I'm, I'm not aware yet of how that appeal process will take place. Um, but as far as whether the decision is final, yes, it is. Um, and, and you've identified a good uh, point that, and, and this is something that I had a, a bit of a concern about coming into the project about, you know, you get kids who have played with their mates for, quite some time, um, you know, how are they going to feel about now being told that they're too small to play with their mates or they're too big, that sort of thing. Um, but 
having spoken so from the trial, um, two of the boys that I coach uh, were recommended to, to go down uh, a year, and they did. Um, and the feedback I got from the boys and also their parents was that although there was some some nerves at the start about going into a new team and, and a new environment, um, I mean, kids are kids, and I think they um, they adapt pretty quickly. Um, and uh, it was a way for them to, to make new friends. And um, I think the the fact that they both boys really enjoyed their experience about going down, enjoyed their rugby, I think made the transition um, a lot easier, even though they weren't playing with the, the, the boys that they'd been playing with for, for so long. And I think um, uh, getting boys playing and enjoying their rugby, I think, goes a long way towards... Um, any decision that will have to be made about going up or down a year. So I think that uh, it's interesting you're focusing on boys there um, because Mm. obviously girls are involved in the uh, rugby as well. And um, I don't know uh, Australian kids' rugby as well as UK kids' rugby, but girls uh, are involved with boys' rugby up until um, a certain age. And uh, one, one person said to me, well, they were worried because their daughter... Uh, because um, girls obviously develop uh, mature a bit faster than boys. Mm-hmm. She's um, she's got some. She would be worried by the fact that she'd probably go up a year uh, because mm. she is a bit faster and a bit stronger than her peers. But she doesn't really want to go up and play in a year above because suddenly, though she becomes physically um, as on an on a par with those, she's. She's immature in uh, in other ways. So how, how does that marry up with the, the process? Mm, sure. And it's a good point to raise women's rugby. I mean, it's, uh, I think, one of the, the fastest growing sports here in Australia is women's rugby. And it's, uh, you know, it's expanded um, exponentially. Um, and we've just introduced a, a, a rugby competition here in Canberra for, for women, which has grown very quickly just in its second year already. Um, and you're right to say so. Obviously, uh, girls will be involved in this as well. But on the the point of um, maturity, uh, again, it's a, it is a really good point, and it's something that has been discussed and considered here. But I, I think that even within an age group, um, there are differences in maturity levels, even within an age group already. Um, so, while certainly you know, if a child is asked to go up or down a year, that might uh, mean that they come into contact with kids who are more mature um, or less mature or whatever the case may be. I don't see that as being too big an issue just because I, I, I think we, we already experience that to a degree. And I think that probably comes back to us as coaches a bit to be able to um, create an environment where children of all uh, levels within a within a group, um, feel accepted and, and able to contribute. Now, the other thing which I'm, I'm wondering more, which might happen here, and this is, yeah. this is the terrible thing about some kids' rugby, is that coaches will start to go around and find the outliers and say, oh, look, you know, why don't you come and play for us? And we will put you through. We will recommend you through. And it can work both ways. You can come down and play for the under-12s and you'll be the star player. Or... Uh, we we really need someone who can fit this fit this role. Uh, why don't you leave this club as an outlier and come come and join us? 
does it not uh, there's a danger of actually starting to band kids uh, as um, because of their height and fitness and then uh, that yeah. will then lead to coaches being able to cherry pick look potentially i mean i, I don't think um that that would be any more prevalent than in the system we have today i mean already clubs uh, coaches can go to players from other clubs and and try and drag them across um uh, with the current system um the thing about this weight for age testing the size for age testing um that i think is is good is that this is all an independent process so you know for it's not going to be a, a position for coaches or players to be able to request be assessed or um, I, I think to, to rig the system in that way. So I, I don't think that would come up any more than what it would potentially be anyway. Yeah, and I'm, I suppose I'm thinking that uh, most coaches don't think like that, but we always know that there's one or two who do. Sure. And uh, yep. someone else uh, commented to me as well that, well, just Matt, this is common sense anyway. Why do we have to go through these processes? Can't um, can't a coach actually look at their players and say, "Look, to child A, uh, I think you should move up a year group uh, because mm. uh, you're obviously the best player uh, by quite some distance because of this, this, and this. I think you'd be better off going up a year group." He's not going to say that to any of his players, is he? I mean, he will say that to. Well, I mean, we've all had our weakest players uh, because mm. though they are good kids. They're just not as strong as the others. And probably we wouldn't mind sometimes if they went down here because we, uh, we have to look after them. Uh, but whoever's mm. going to say, right, off you go up to the team above. Mm. Look, it's, it's, it's a really good point. But, I mean, actually speaking from personal experience, I, I had a situation that you're talking about. I, I was coaching a, a player who played with my younger brother, um, who today uh, he recently debuted for the Australian Sevens team, um, and as, as a child he was he was quite noticeable how uh, um, his physical development and his skill level was well beyond uh, the year group that he was playing in. And it was a conversation we had with his parents to suggest that maybe he should go up a year and, and challenge himself up a year, and he did that. Um, so in terms of personally, I I, I think that there is um, there is scope for the coaches to do a bit of self-regulation here. The problem is, um, is that it's because it's not going to happen across the board. Uh, I think it needs to come from the, uh, the, the the top down to create some guidelines uh, to to make this process um, somewhat fair. Because there are going to be some coaches who try to do the right thing, and and you're right. If we were all um, doing the right thing, this these policies wouldn't need to be there. Um, but because there are coaches who who um, probably try and pursue uh winning a, a bit more to be to be frank um <laughs> yeah, is, uh, exactly. you know it, it's 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 not going to happen from from the coaches or from the club level and how about uh the team that is a little bit smaller than other teams and uh, i mean i don't know whether this is the case uh in your part of the world but i know that some coaches struggle to get a number of boys out to play on the weekend and they may be looking over their shoulder at next year because they may be losing two or three of their players. Maybe their best player will go and he's the glue. Uh, 
And sometimes, as you will know, the coach, this coach's son is on average, not not always, on average, one of the better players, if not the best players. And then the coach goes. And I don't know, again, what it's like in Australia, but certainly in the UK, finding good coaches is hard enough. Someone who's willing to get stuck in. And suddenly, um, at under 12, the teams which, which has been working together for the last four or five years has had a strong leadership group. And suddenly the coach at the top goes with his son to the, the next year up and the the coaching team looks n- not so good they've lost their best player is there a danger that that might actually have a reverse effect in what in one sense we've we've created a better situation for more players but in another sense we may have ruined well ruined might be a bit of a um the, the wrong word but we have made it very difficult for a team to function in the way it was before Look, it's it's a, again a really good question, and it's interesting. Um, I think when you look uh, internationally, I I don't know the New Zealand system as well as perhaps I should because they uh, they seem to have a lot of success. Maybe we should be trying to do more more like what they do. But um, uh, my understanding of the New Zealand system is that they've had this sort of classification around looking at players' height and weight for some time now. Um, but my understanding is that they run basically uh, two systems for their junior rugby where they'll have an open system plus a, a, a weighted system or, or a system where the kids who play in that competition are graded based on their weight. Um, but I believe that in New Zealand that only happens in areas where the player numbers support yeah. that. Um, That's what I understand as well, yeah. Sure, yes. I think it's a challenge. So certainly here in Canberra, I mean, Canberra's a, um, a fairly strong rugby community, but not a, not a, not a huge city. Um, so there are certainly, from, from uh, our club, for example, um, there are some teams who are pretty well on the margins for whether they're going to be able to keep a team together from one year to the next. Um, so it is definitely a concern uh, and it's something that I was I raised last year that because um, I've been in that situation as a coach where I'm not sure if a team's going to be able to keep together from one year to the next. Um, and uh, so I, I think it is a, a valid point. But, uh, I mean, again, I, I think two twofold that, um, one, this might happen anyway that, you know, uh, even under the current system, I keep coming back to this point, that even under the current system, you, you can have teams fall apart when a player or two leave just potentially because they've they've lost interest because they're, they're not able to compete because they're too small or they're too large sort of thing. So I think players can, can leave anyway. Mm. Um, I, I think the at least the idea behind this initiative is to try and get as many kids playing as possible. And so... I think you're right that there are going to be certain circumstances where maybe there are some adverse effects, um, and I think there is a trade-off here. Um, but I, I'd like to hope that um, at least I'm trying to be optimistic <laughs> and positive about the, the initiative that um, it might actually bring more kids into the sport um, who, who maybe weren't going to play it initially, and that might uh, go some ways to um, overcome uh, that. 
So. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. And uh, as we both know, it's very difficult to make someone better off without making someone else worse off at the same time. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm, uh, I know we could go on for a very long time on this. So there's one more question I want to ask just to sort of wrap mm. this up for now. Is that um, do you think maybe from your own experience, it will change the way that coaches coach? at this level instead of uh, maybe having one or two star players who do all the work um it will be a lot more democratic as a game do you think that coaches will be changing the way they coach will they be introducing different ways or do you think they'll just continue coaching and uh, the same way uh look i think um firstly i'd say it, it I'd preface by saying that it, it depends on exactly how the system is rolled out uh, in the end as to how much movement players uh, of players there is. Um, but I would like to think that uh, we would move towards focusing more on upskilling players and focusing on the skills of the players rather than their physical traits as, as coaches. But in saying that, uh, I, I wonder if, uh, and you know, I, I, I wonder if. Um, it might just depend on the coaching personality already. I mean, I, I can probably speak for uh, for you as well as myself that I think you and I would have a focus on trying to get the players uh, focus on the players' skills rather than potentially just you know giving it to the, the most talented kid, you know, naturally athletic and so forth. Um, but you know, there are going to be coaches who maybe potentially even with these changes are always going to try and find ways of. Um, uh, bringing to the the fore the, the the most talented kids already in the team, so potentially you know it, it may not have as big an impact as we'd like it to because you know there there are just some coaches who that's the way they see the game, and there are some coaches who see it differently. Um, what I'd like to hope is that uh, if this system is rolled out effectively, um, that the disparities between players will be uh, so minimal that it will induce coaches to have to focus on uh, skilling their players and, and it'll reward the coaches who um, focus on skills rather than just the athletic ability of players. Um, but that's probably a bit too optimistic, <laughs> but um, I, I certainly hope that's um, that's where we get to. Well, I, I, I think it's always good to be optimistic about these things and I sense this is a much better way to, to challenge the coach to think differently and perhaps bring on some coaches who would not have thought that way. I mean, there are a number of coaches out there who will be skills focused, but others who mm. don't know that they need to be skills focused and don't understand the full implications. And because they are winning games, uh, not because they're making any extra effort to win the games by giving the ball to the big player, they aren't considering all the skills and then they're focusing on the wrong yes. ones. So I do think it will be mm. be useful. It'll be a natural way to help upskill coaches as well as upskill the players themselves. Now, James, uh, mm. been brilliant. I, I mean, there's so many other things I want to ask on this, and maybe we can come back to this at a later date. But it's been a real pleasure to mm. talk to you, uh, for you this evening and for me this morning. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's been a real pleasure, Dan. I really appreciate the invitation. Yeah. Well, it's been great. It's great to have an insight of um, a coach on the ground because, uh, and I'm sure that um, if we get a representative from the union, they would speak um, about it in, in a similar way, but they would obviously have a bias 
because they want the project to work from their point of view. So it's really good to get the view of a coach who's on the ground and been involved and been experienced in it. So that's been brilliant. So thanks for that. Just um, just a bit of housekeeping. This is a podcast which is going to be released uh, on a Wednesday. We're going to do these fortnightly. And uh, please head over to our blog tab on the rugbycoachweekly.net website to catch up on any issues or sorry, any episodes you've missed. So thank you very much for listening. And thank you, James, for your insight. Thanks very much, Dan. Okay. And uh, I look forward to speaking to James uh, very soon. And I look forward to speaking to you all very soon. So thanks very much for listening.